The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica with your usual program answering your questions, educating the general public and also giving you all the information you need to know about the religion of Islam. I am your host Imam Ibrahim Fawson. This program is sponsored by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and for the sake of the new listeners the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam which believe in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Spread across over 200 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto has always been love for all and hatred for none. In the course of today's program, if you wish to be part of it, kindly send us your message by WhatsApp and the number is 876-283-9533. Today on the program, we are taking a look at one of the fundamental uh, beliefs in almost all religions, that is the belief in prophets and also how the Holy Quran exonerates prophets from some of the allegations that have been leveled against them in the previous scriptures. Prophets, without any doubt, are very important in the chain of communication between God and his creation. We believe, as Muslims, that when God intends to communicate with his creation, he passes on the message to the angels, and then the angel also passes the message on to the prophet. And the prophets are generally the good among the people that they might be sent to. In other words, they represent a good example for the people that the message is being sent to. And once they receive the message, the prophets are supposed to communicate it effectively to the people that the message is intended to be given. And not just by communicating, but then they also serve as living examples of those same messages that they receive from God Almighty. Unfortunately, in some previous scriptures, i.e. the Bible and some other scriptures, we find some allegations, some you know, serious allegations of greater proportion which are leveled against some of these prophets. So much so that in some of these allegations, not even an ordinary person would engage themselves in. How much more prophets of God? And one of the reasons Allah the Almighty sent the Holy Quran was to correct some of these errors in the previous scriptures, among them being these allegations against the prophets of God. Today I am joined once again by Imam Tariq Azim, who would take us through and also explain to us why some of these things 
found themselves in the Bible and other scriptures basically against noble prophets of God who as Muslims we believe are sinless and would never under any circumstances be doing some of the things that are said about them. Imam Tariq, assalamu alaikum and welcome to today's program. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you and all the listeners. So uh, today we are looking at how the Holy Quran exonerates prophets of God from unfounded allegations. Largely, as I always say, a large proportion of our listeners are from Christian background and we will look at some of these examples from the Holy Bible. Prophets of God. If we say a prophet of God, who is a prophet and which category of people does God choose prophets from? Prophets of God are in their time the most pious men of God, the most pious person that you can find in that area where God is appointing him as a prophet is the most pious, most righteous person among them. And as, I, as you said, which category of people? So the category would be from the, from the righteous, among the righteous, they are the most righteous as a matter of fact. And, uh, and not just in that period where they're uh, commissioned by God as a prophet towards the people, but even if you look at their life from the childhood, childhood coming forward, their youth, their you know, age of maturity, all of their phases, you would always notice that they stand out as respectable, honored, and dignified people within their society. So prophets of God are, you know, pious men of God Almighty, and they are sent to this world with a mission. And their mission, um, it, it might have several different branches, but the key or the most important aspect of that mission is that they call people towards God Almighty, towards one God. And if you look at any prophet from the history, uh, Prophet Adam, the first ever prophet, Prophet Abraham, Prophet Noah, Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Salaam God be upon all of them. Um, you know, all of these, they, uh, they had this similarity that in their society, in their community, wherever they were commissioned as prophets, they were recognized as very pious and, uh, and you know, uh, men of dignity, men of honor. And then eventually a time came that when um, God Almighty appoints them as prophets within those people. So in a way, God knows that in this time, in this era, in this period, whichever period that might be, there is need of a prophet. So God nurtures these people right from their birth, creates such situation so that they can go through different experience yet turn out to be perfect role models for mankind. Yeah. So this is whom the prophets are, and Allah chooses the best of the people for this job that is prophethood. Thank you. Um, so let's, let's look at it. You have given us an idea about you know, who prophets of God are, and also the category of people that God chooses prophets from. You stated that they are the, the best among the people that God Almighty chooses as you know, bearers of his message to his people. I believe listeners might also have come across instances where some kind of allegations 
and you know serious allegations for that matter have been leveled against some of these prophets do prophets of god make mistake or do they commit sin let's look at the two do they make mistakes or do they commit sin before even we proceed to some of these allegations yes um first thing i think we need to understand is that mistakes and sins they're two different things as far as mistakes are concerned the uh, prophets can make mistakes because prophets at the end of the day they are humans they're humans and only they can be role models to us if we accept them as humans if we say that a prophet is an angel or god god forbid then that person is not a role model to me anymore because i am a human for me a role model would be somebody who is a human so because they are humans they can make mistakes but they're going to be role models for all of mankind for this reason they stay away from sin and god protects them from sin as well so they're helped by god as well that they stay away from sin they find a repulsion in their heart for a lot of sins but again there is a lot of effort from their part as well due to which they are protected from sinning as i mentioned that sin and mistake are two different uh, things sin is basically an intentional act an intentional act where someone tries to um, you know go against the command of god almighty okay god almighty has said that don't do this and a person still goes ahead and does that god almighty has said that do this for example and then out of uh, without any justification without any reason the person uh, you know does not follow that instruction of god that would be that would constitute as sin but mistake on the other hand can be accidental it can be something that is not intentional happened yeah. accidentally or it can be that it was an error in the judgment of that person okay so again it was done out of sincerity but it was an error in judgment that led to that mistake so the, a prophet or any person can make a decision and find out later that it, it didn't turn out to be a good decision that is a mistake but not a sin because the intention was not to go against the command of god almighty in any way when we look at it simple simple examples of it in day to day lives spilling water accidentally that's a mistake right yeah you're holding something a cup or a glass and you drop it that's a mistake you damage something accidentally get into a car accident or something like that these are all mistakes right and again god almighty um looks at our heart looks at our intentions if our intention was never to go against the instruction command of god almighty then it would not constitute as a sin and this is something that we need to understand when we are talking about prophets of god prophets of god may make mistakes but they can never commit sin because if they commit sin then how can they be an example to an ordinary human being who's looking up to them and even if they fall you know into uh, you know committing sins and they don't can't develop that type of love of god that they can't away from uh, stay away from sin then a follower of those prophets it would be very very difficult knowing that my prophet has done such and such how can such person stay away from sin himself let me give an example of yeah, this yeah. Uh, i think, I think to, examples examples will help absolutely uh, in case of prophet muhammad peace be upon him salam, salam. Uh, there is a very famous narration a saying a uh, hadith as we refer to it it is mentioned that the messenger of allah and i passed by some people who were at the top of their date palms a companion is narrating yeah 
The Prophet said, what are these people doing? They said, they are pollinating them, putting the male tree with the female so that it will be pollinated. The Messenger of Allah said, I do not think that it is of any use. They were told about that, the opinion of the Prophet. Yeah. So they stopped doing it. The Messenger of Allah, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, <laughs> was told about that, that this is what has happened. And he said, if it benefits them to pollinate the way they were doing, let them do it. I only expressed what I thought. Do not blame me for what I say based on my own thoughts. But if I narrate something to you from Allah, then follow it. For I will never tell lies um, or say anything wrong about Allah the Almighty. May he uh, be glorified and exalted. Allah the Almighty. May his name be glorified and exalted. So this is what the Prophet Muhammad, uh, you know, peace be upon him, has said in this example. We can see, he said that they should not, I mean, he expressed his own opinion and he, he clarified that I am not an expert in farming or these matters. So don't take my opinion as if uh, I say about religious matters or other matters that God Almighty has told me, told me about. So therefore, if you feel that you have experience in this and confident, you're confident in that, then go ahead. Don't take my opinion in these things because I can make mistakes. Right? This is a not, as, as a human, we can all make mistakes. And this is what Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is acknowledging and recognizing that I, as a human, can mis make mistakes. The only place where I don't make mistakes is when Allah tells me something and I tell you exactly that, you know, this is what Allah has told me, then there is no doubt about that this is the best teaching or best uh, instruction uh, in that, you know, whichever topic it might be related to. So this is just an example uh, from the Holy Quran. And the same message is reiterated in the Holy Quran in chapter 21, verse 28. It is said about prophets that they speak not before he speaks, before God speaks. And they act only by his command, by God's command. So this is whom the prophets are. They, uh, in their day-to-day -day lives, they can make small mistakes. They can forget things. And when we look at prophet Jesus, for example, yeah. I mean, even in his life, we find uh, several small mistakes like this in his day-to-day -day activities. Like, for example, just a very famous story about prophet Jesus. He, he, he's hungry and he goes to a tree looking for a fruit and he looks into the tree and tries to grab a fruit. But there oh, is the, no fruit. The, the incident at the, at the fig tree. Yes. And when no fruit comes, it was his error in judgment that he thought there might be fruit for whatever reason. I mean, maybe because he was extremely hungry or any other reason that he thought that there would be something, but there wasn't. It was his error in judgment. And that's not a sin, right? That's not a sin. Yeah. It, it can be a mistake because he does not. He's a human. Prophet Jesus is a human like you and me or Prophet Muhammad. Like just, he's, he's a human like any of us. For this reason, he can make a mistake. There is nothing wrong with that. But obviously, because he's a prophet of God Almighty, he would not commit any kind of sin. Thank you very much. So you have given us the cases of two notable prophets. First, you gave us the case of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about uh, pollination, where he is reported to have told people who were, you know, physically transporting, um, you know, pollen grain from the dead palm that uh, they should not do it because it doesn't have any use. And there could be some logic in that also because naturally, the, the, you know, there are insects that are responsible for the you know, transfer of pollen grains from different uh, flowers to the other for them to bear fruit. 
So for, uh, I mean, a full man to climb a tree like a coconut tree, which is, you know, the like of the date palm, to be physically transporting uh, pollen grains, I don't think that was going to be any meaningful. However, he clearly stated that this is not a command I have re received from God. It is just my personal observation. And anytime I receive anything from God, of course, I make it clear that this is from God and not from my own self. And then also you have given a good example, which is also contained in the book of Mark chapter 11 verse 13. And it reads, And seeing a fig tree after all having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. That is about Jesus Christ. May peace be upon him. Thank you very much. And I believe you've made it clear that for something to be termed as a sin, there should be an intention and also doing something contrary to the dictate of God. That is the command of God. For instance, if God says we should not, you know, drink certain thing and you go ahead and drink it, knowing that God has said it, that becomes a sin. If God says we should do this and you think that out of arrogance, out of convenience, you will not do it, that becomes a sin. However, for mistakes, prophets are like human beings and are not free from mistakes. Okay, so with that established, let's look at my next question. That is, if prophets do not commit sin, why do we have some serious allegations which constitute what could be said to be a sin in the Bible? And basically, these are scandals and allegations of unforgivable proportion that are leveled against some prophets of God contained in the Bible. Why could this be the case? We know, we've spoken about this as well, uh, that Bible is not in its original form anymore. The revealed words of God Almighty, yes, there are passages in there, in the book, which are still some, you know, in their original form. But the entire book is not in its original form, and there is a lot of changes. It has gone through a lot of changes. There have been many councils, meetings that have been held in deciding what to put in, what not to put in. And we know those changes are there. So because of that, it is very likely that um, you know, many of these allegations were added by the opponents of those prophets into the Bible. Otherwise, I mean, as we have discussed, that prophets could not have lived the lives that are sometimes told in the Bible. Because what Bible makes the prophets look like is um, an extremely wicked person with no morals at all sometimes. So Holy Quran uh, exonerates all the prophets that, you know, it says that they were perfect human beings. They were yeah. examples for their time period, for their people. And even today, they're an example for all of us. So therefore, whatever uh, has been written, you know, those scandals, those false allegations have been uh, presented in the Bible against righteous prophets of God. They have to be either added by the opponents of those, uh, uh, you know, those prophets, opponents of uh, Christianity, people who might have posed as Christians, uh, just so that these things can be added into the Bible and uh, underneath in their heart, perhaps they were against the very religion in itself, because otherwise these things, there is no way that it, these things could have been, uh, could have made it into the Bible. So that is one possibility. Second possibility is that perhaps uh, a lot of the meaning has been lost in the translation. And what we are left with is something that 
doesn't even make sense sometimes. And rather, it puts the prophets and many other righteous people in, in very bad light. It presents them in a very bad light. So translation could have also been, a, you know, been, been a reason due to uh, all these things. Because, again, the original text is, has not been preserved. So therefore, what happened over the years, over the centuries, um, but again, um, it, is, it is horrendous. And people who, who follow the Bible, I think they should look at these things very, very closely, these verses that talk about uh, earlier prophets and what kind of allegations are leveled against them. Because, and they should reject them outright. Because if they believe them, that they are, they're still right part of the Bible, they're correct, they're they are authentic, then what happens is that subconsciously or quietly, we as a society are legitimizing those scandals or those false things that the prophets have done into our society today as well. So for this reason, I mean, I, I in my understanding, how, as you asked, how they made it into the Bible, we I know for a fact, looking at the teachings of Holy Quran, that uh, those stories about those prophets uh, are completely false, or they have been uh, either exaggerated to an extent that where they are they have become lies, or they have been added by the opponents of Christianity, as as we as I said earlier, uh, opponents of those righteous men of God. Thank you very much. And uh, the explanation you gave are quite you know self-explanatory, if I should say so. Um, you have stated that, uh, of course, these allegations that are leveled against some of these prophets, which we would certainly go through them, uh, some of them. You have stated that they are not things that could have been done by the prophets. However, it is possible that the opponents of those prophets might have um, under-disguised themselves as um, followers of the prophet, forged those statements and, you know, allegations to become part of the scriptures. And uh, also you stated that um, in some cases it is due to the translation of some of these words and expressions which might have taken the right meaning from it. And that, that, that you know, brings me to a statement which is purported to have been made by the prophet Jesus Christ, may peace upon him. And I believe it is contained in the book of John chapter 19 verse 26 where he is reported to have addressed his mother as woman. And the connotation we derive from the word woman when you address your mother as woman is of disrespectful nature, particularly in our current dispensation. If a child is to describe her mother as woman in front of people, it connotes some kind of disrespect. However, once when you go into details, the Greek word which was used connoting woman in English does not connote the same disrespect in the Greek uh, language. So the translation could have also been the cause of some of these things. But then, largely, some of these might have been inserted by the opponents of the prophets. For instance, uh, there's another example. There's an example in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34. If you read from 5 up to 12, it talks about the death of prophet Moses, may peace be upon him. And we all believe that um, the book of Deuteronomy was the last, you know, book of Moses, basically the, one of the five books of Moses. So if you have a book which is reported to have been the book of Moses, which he wrote or which God instructed him to write, and then that book contains his obituary, who put that obituary message there? 
and that person what is he capable of adding to the bible at other places that people might not be aware so some of these opportunities were there and i believe that is why allah the almighty right from the uh, inception of the message he gave to the prophet that is the holy quran he clearly um, said that he was going to protect the quran from the errors that had existed in some of the previous scriptures at this point let's look at some of these allegations and the first one is about um, alleged lies that were told by prophet abraham may peace be upon him prophet abraham is said to have been um, the friend of god and telling lies is against you know all norms and also the laws of god that lies if you tell a lie it's a sin because god is against lies do you think a prophet of God, like Prophet Abraham, could tell a lie? See, now, let me read this uh, passage to our listeners. Yeah. This is taken from Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 10 to 13. It says here, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he, sent, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. So now when we look at this, um, when we see what Prophet Abraham is doing according to what is written here, it is a complete, utter lie that he is, you know, he's uttering. He's saying. And, dis and dishonesty. Dishonesty. And that becomes, even to save your life, I mean, it is still a lie, it is still a lie. And when a prophet does that, it legitimizes that for all the people that they can do, say whatever they want, for whatever reason, for whatever benefit or gain that they're looking for. But again, the, certainly this, there is context missing in here. I mean, of course, I, 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 I can speculate that what the situation was. But again, but if the context is missing, then the only message the reader is receiving, the reader of a Bible is receiving from this passage is that you are allowed to utter a lie in cases like this. And now by, by this understanding, you're thinking that prophets of, God can, prophets of God can be liars as well. But if they can lie in their day-to-day -day matters to save their lives or whatever, then why, what, do, what do we have about them that gives us this uh, certainty that they will not lie about the message from God Almighty. Their whole prophethood, their ministry, everything comes into doubt when we see them lying, uh, you know, in their day-to-day -day matters. So again, um, the way this, this, this is presented in the Bible, I don't believe it to be true. Uh, there is certainly some other context behind it that is missing there, due to which we cannot perhaps uh, fully understand it sometimes. So I, again, I mean, I, I based on the Holy Quran and uh, general, I can speculate, but I don't want to mention that here. But I just wish to say that what is the way it is mentioned in the Bible, there is no chance, there is no uh, way that a prophet could be uh, this kind of a liar. And if he is lying in his day-to-day -day life, life, then how can we trust him in, when he says that God has revealed to me such and such? Yes, of course. In the Holy Quran, there is an expression by Prophet Abraham, even before he became a prophet, when he was a child. 
and if not for the sake of the Quran, which is still in, intact in the Arabic language, a person reading the English might have also deduced that uh, he might have told a lie um, when he is reported to have broken the idols and um, the people came to him and asked what has happened. Since the people believed that the idols could communicate and they were the source of their power, he said, truly somebody has broken it. But ask your idols so if they can speak so that they will tell you exactly who did. He did not say categorically that I am not the person who did it. But then he was telling them somebody has done it. So ask your idols to talk to you. So if not because we have the Arabic, which is still clear in that kind of language and the expression which was used. And for instance, the language kept being translated from one language to the other, to the third, to the fourth language. By the time it gets to the fifth language, the whole I mean, uh, import might have been lost. And then you leave the rest as he might have told a lie. Let's look at another allegation, which is also contained in First King chapter 11, verse 3 going. It is also about Prophet Solomon, and he is reported to have had 700 wives and 300 concubines. How do you see this? 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, a prophet of God. Are we allowed to, you know, follow his examples? Yeah, that's that's the thing. If he's a prophet of God, then his example should be followed. Or um, if someone has multiple wives, hundred wives, he she should be rather encouraged and said that, oh, you're you're far from uh, Prophet Solomon. You should try and reach thousand women, seven hundred wives, and three hundred concubines. This is not the character of prophets of God Almighty. These these are not. Uh, see the, the, these numbers. They just give you an idea that they're not mere exaggerations. They're lies. They're completely false statements said about prophets of God and only an enemy of prophets of God could say such things and and you know uh, otherwise a true believer in any prophet of God would never believe would never say such a thing about them because if their character was like this if their character was like this and they were commissioned as prophets of God then the character of these prophets can become suspicious can become and, doubtful and questionable and questionable so I, I don't see any reality in this. Uh, it is uh, the verses in front of me. This is from First Kings, chapter eleven, verse three. It is mentioned he had seven hundred wives of royal birth and three hundred concubines, and his wives led him astray. This is the verse taken from the Bible. So again, um, I, I don't see any, um, you know, uh, reality, any truth to this. And as the Holy Quran says that the prophets were pious people, what we are reading from the Bible about them, they are not pious by any standard. And the reason for that is that these stories are not true. These stories are fake, uh, as we said, um, added by his opponents and whatnot, their prophets' opponents. Otherwise, there is no way that they could have done these things. Because if they did, we would see similar pattern in his followers as well. Yeah. Right? Followers. Uh, of a religion, follow the prophets. If we see similar pattern in their, you know, in the, for example, the ministers of, uh, in the empire of Prophet Solomon or other people who, other people in his, uh, you know, empire that followed him, we would see, if we see similar examples in them also, then perhaps we could say that, yes, this was a teaching that he had given, but there was no way that he would give such a teaching that having 700 wives and 300 concubines and legitimizing this? No, absolutely not. 
it is serious and with the examples we keep we, we give it gets serious by the day let's look at the father of king solomon who was a prophet also um prophet david and it is reported also in second samuel chapter 11 that he killed his own you know general and married his wife could that be a habit of a prophet that people are supposed to learn from i i have this uh, these, these verses in front of me this is from second samuel where, uh, chapter 11 verses 2 and if you just read the next three verses you wonder if this is the character of a prophet it is mentioned one evening david got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace from the roof he saw a woman bathing the woman was very beautiful and david sent someone to find out about her the man said she is bathsheba the daughter of iliam and the wife of uriah the hittite then david sent messengers to get her she came to him and he slept with her then she went back home the woman conceived and and sent a word to david saying i am pregnant and now i'm not reading it further just look at these things does it by any measure look like a prophet of god doing these things if even a normal person in the society does it we know immediately that there is immorality you know prevalent like this is a sign that um, it is a married woman and all you did is for example you're spying on somebody else's wife and then later on you know one is having relations with the Oh, the whole concept and is then, such that and we, then ordering we for the be, husband ordering for the husband to be killed as well exactly so this whole situation uh, puts such a big question mark on the character of prophet david as presented in the bible that after this uh, you know if you can call such a person a prophet then everybody is a prophet in that sense <laughs> even the biggest of the sinner becomes a prophet in that sense Reality is that if an ordinary person is to do these things, to do any of even half of this, these things, you wouldn't consider that person a moral person, let alone be a righteous, spiritual, pious man. No, you wouldn't even consider that person, a, 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 you know, a, a, a person with good moral conduct. When we're saying such things about prophets, I, it, is, it is embarrassing, it is sad that how could one even believe these things? Imam Tariq, you know, in our previous episodes, I believe the episode we had three weeks ago or two weeks ago, we answered the question that people always ask us. Why do we need the Quran if the Bible is supposed to be, you know, a book of God? Why do we need the Quran? And it is for some of these, you know, reasons that God Almighty taught it wise to give us the holy book that is the the holy quran and also clearly stated that he is going to adopt every kind of means to protect it and today the quran remains the only authentic book which you know maintains its authenticity from the time of revelation till today one other option to protect it was that muslims have adopted the arabic language which was given right from the beginning and in any language the quran is translated we still have the arabic side by side just in case 
if the person who is translating has a limited understanding at that particular time and he translates it based on his understanding, a person would come later who would translate it better and would not have to rely on the faulty translation which was done by the first person. And also there's another mode of safeguarding the Quran, that is the ability to memorize the Quran, ability to commit it to memory. And today there are millions of Muslims who have memorized the entire Quran, just like people would sing their national anthems. So there's no way any, any person could come and remove a line from it or add a line. And this is how Allah the Almighty has safeguarded the Holy Quran. And as Muslims, we do not believe that prophets of God would go near some of these allegations that are leveled against them. There are more. Basically, there are more. And um, as we have stated, it is the reason that God Almighty brought the Holy Quran so that as Muslims, we clear these prophets from these allegations. There is another allegation about the prophet Noah. And we all believe that when the people became corrupt and God, they refused to accept the message of God, God instructed the prophet Noah to make the ark, which is a very common you know, story that people know. And the sinners, those who were against the word of God, those who were not willing to obey God, those who were following their carnal desires, they were drowned, even as animals were allowed to enter the ark. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 20 to 23, there is an incident of Noah, supposedly the one who was the most honorable and the most pious among his people, he got drunk and was uncovered. Basically, he was naked. Yeah, the, as you mentioned, Genesis 9, verses 20 to 23, it says, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a wine vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside the tent. And then, of course, it's, it mentions, uh, you know, somebody came and he was naked and all these other things. You see, if there is a man like this, if there is a man like this and he's telling you, like whose character is like this, and he's telling you that a big flood, big storm is coming and you're all going to die and turn to God. What good reason, in, or what good reason would you Do you have to in? believe in him? Yeah. So it's, that's why, I mean, when we look at these things, you know right away that God could not have commissioned such a person with a character like this and then, you know, expected people to believe in a person like that. If you don't believe, you will be wiped out. I mean, it does not make any sense. So uh, as I, it, it is unfortunate that we have to even read through these things because um, they, they really have tarnished the images, image of prophets in, in, in the minds of people. And they're, continue, they're continuing to do so. So even those who are listening to us, please understand that we by no means associate with, with the, you know, this perception, the perceptions given in the Bible of prophets of God Almighty. We believe Prophet Noah to be an extremely noble man, a righteous and a pious and an example for mankind. The Holy Quran mentions so many stories of prophets and all of them presented their life, righteous life as an example to the people and said that, have you ever seen any wrongdoing from my side? You haven't. Have you ever seen me being selfish? No. Then they present this as, as their first proof that God Almighty has revealed to me that you should believe in one God and you should serve humanity in, in the best manner possible and do not be selfish and whatnot. 
But if the character is like this, as we are reading in the Bible, there is no way that uh, any, any one of us or even people at that time could have believed in Prophet Noah or any prophet that we're mentioning here. And the example you gave is quite important also. Usually when you read the Holy Quran, as you said, when Allah you know, recounts the stories of the prophets, one of the main examples they give is their personal character that look at me and follow what I'm saying because I have lived with you for quite a long time. You know my character. If I will not tell lies about my fellow human being, how do you think I will tell lies about God? Unfortunately, there is another yet, you know, example that we find it so embarrassed even to read. And this is also in Genesis chapter 19, verse 30 to 38. It talks about the prophet Lot who impregnated two of his own daughters. And prophet Lot is supposed to be the very person whose people were engaged in sodomy and God destroyed them with fire, saving the righteous person, Lot. And if, God forbid, he was of this nature, how justified would God be to destroy the people who were engaging in homosexuality? Uh, it is a, a longer passage and it is extremely um, you know, embarrassing, shameful to even think that a prophet could have done uh, the things that are associated to prophet Lot. Prophet Lot, uh, just like any other prophet of God Almighty, was a righteous man, and he faced in his time a challenge in the society, uh, which you know was so uh, shameless in action, uh, homosexuality and other sexual acts. And he came to fight against those things. He came to present his strong example to to challenge the society. And saying that he became like them and he did worse things, uh, you know, under influence of wine or whatever, he did worse things than them. Then again, what kind of example has he left behind, right? So all, uh, uh, just by looking at reading these things, you know immediately that some person who was looking to put the character of these prophets in uh, question and in doubt has put these things there. Otherwise, realistically, uh, if that kind of a person, as, as I said, such a person, let alone be called a prophet, cannot even be called a moral person, right? So they're not example role models for anyone. The, the prophets of God, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, they're very uh, prophets of God. They're very uh, straightforward, noble, and composed human beings. They stay away and shun all kinds of evils. When they, when, they, when they talk to people, they talk to them in a manner that people know that this is somebody who is a, a righteous man who is speaking. And they listen to them. They turn to them. And, but the stories that are written in here, if they were to be true, nobody would have turned to these people whatsoever. You know, For example, just in the Holy Quran, there are many, many stories mentioned of the prophets in different places of the Holy Quran. Um, what do they say when, when they come to their people? I will just present from chapter 11, verse 52 and 53. Yeah. It says, um, you know, there's a, a prophet uh, basically by the name of Hud, and he goes to his people and he says, um, Oh, my people, I do not ask of you any reward, therefore, my reward is not due except from him who created me. Will you not then understand? And then he says, and oh, my people, ask forgiveness of your Lord and then turn to him. 
He will send over you clouds pouring down abundant rain, and it will add strength to your strength and turn not away sinners. So this is the, uh, you know, uh, statements that they, they, they are making. They're inviting people to, uh, uh, you know, a, a goodly message. And when people talk to them, they never say that uh, your character is such and you are saying, you're telling us to seek forgiveness. You should be the ones going and seeking forgiveness for all the sins you have com committed. There's another prophet in the Holy Quran by the name of Saleh. And it is mentioned that, uh, you know, the people, when he gave the same message to them and he invited yeah. them to God Almighty, the people said, it is mentioned in the Holy Quran, chapter 11, verse 63. They said, O Saleh, thou wast among, among us, one in whom we placed our hopes. Meaning we used to trust you. We used yeah. to believe that you, you, you know, our hopes were with you, that you will lead us towards the right direction. And now you're calling us towards God. So they trusted these people. They considered them righteous in their society. This is whom, what true prophets are like. Not absolutely not what we are, uh, you know, reading in these examples in the Bible. Absolutely no way. These are um, uh, completely false allegations leveled against extremely righteous and noble people of God Almighty, which puts the whole institution of prophethood under question. Thank you. Thank you, Imam Tariq Azim. And I believe if we should go on, there's a lot, there are a lot of such instances in the Bible, which, as you said, puts the institution of prophethood into question and unfortunately gives ammunitions to people who do not believe in God to you know make fun of prof prophets and also make fun of religion there are a few things i want us to discuss and i would take you to the book of deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 22 to 23 where it said that a person who is hanged on the cross and dies on it becomes an accursed of god however it is generally believed that Jesus Christ, may peace be upon him, was put on a cross and died on it. And it is stated in one of the books of Paul that Jesus Christ became accursed because he died for us. Do you think a prophet of God, and for that matter, an honorable, noble one like Jesus Christ, could become an accursed of God? No, absolutely not. Prophets, as we mentioned, they are examples, they are role models. They are, um, if they are the ones who, upon whom the curse is, then they're not role models, they're not example for anybody then, right? Yep. For example, as the Bible says, as you have read out Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, it talks about that uh, when someone is hanged like that, they become accursed. And when somebody has become accursed, you know that uh, an accursed person cannot be a prophet of God because accursed, becoming accursed or curse of God is the exact opposite of being favored by God Almighty. They're receiving the wrath of God Almighty. And if someone is receiving the wrath of God Almighty, then how can such person be accepted as a prophet? And as a matter of fact, many people, many people, especially in the early days, in the time of uh, uh, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, when this rumor started to spread that Jesus has died, for them, it became a reason to outright reject Prophet Jesus, peace upon him, because the Bible says, one who dies this way, dies in a cursed death, therefore Basically, he cannot be a prophet. You're referring to the Jews at the time. Correct, correct. For them, they followed the Old Testament, the Bible, 
And for them, Jesus was a completely false prophet because he died on the cross as people started to uh, spread this rumor about him. But the fact that he was saved from the cross, he did not die on the cross. He migrated from there. He traveled from there. He came and met with two, three, a few of his, few of his companions and had you know some uh, dinner with them as well. And then later he migrated from there. This is the reality. This is and this truth. is what the Holy Quran, what, that's what the Holy Quran says. That's what the Holy Quran says as well that he did not die on the cross because had he died on the cross, the Jews would have been right in their assumption that Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, God forbid, is a uh, a false prophet. His claim to prophethood was, was false. He's an accursed person. But that's, 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 that's not true. That's not reality. So those who go on believing this, they're putting the character of Jesus, peace be upon him, in doubt as well, in question as well, because according to their own scripture, Jesus is... Uh, not an example, not a role model, rather an accursed person, person, somebody uh, whom, according to the Bible, is not uh, worthy of even being looked up to, right? Like if somebody is an accursed person, somebody who has been cursed by God Almighty, what kind of example, uh, you know, why would I want to follow such a person or anyone? Mean he has been, he has been deprived, he's been deprived of everything good, so to say. Everything good, yes. That's what curse is, right? That your heart is at the complete opposite end from what God Almighty wants. Curse, especially when we're talking about religious terms, it is the exact opposite of being close to God. Having love of God is one thing, and being accursed is having uh, no, uh, basically no love of God in your heart, and rather you're at the other end where you, you are closer to, to Satan as your friend, right? This is distancing from God. This is what curse is all about. And Allah the Almighty could have never, never cursed uh, his own prophet, that is, for example, in this case, Jesus, peace be upon him, because Jesus, peace be upon him, was sent by Allah the Almighty, by God Almighty, and he protected him and his honor. So the Holy Quran, when we're talking about Jesus, peace be upon him, just like all other prophets, defends the honor of prophet Jesus. He exonerates him. God exonerates Jesus, peace be upon him, from all these false allegations that are found in in. Uh, uh, the New Testament or any other stories that we read in in the you know in any place today. So all those are false allegations against the character of Jesus, peace be upon him, which put his whole personality, his character, in question and in doubt. And we we cannot accept them to be true word, uh, uh, true words of God Almighty. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim. And um, for those who might be wondering why some of these things uh, had their way to enter into the Bible. We should let you know, and I believe you know, that the Bible, I mean, we, these instances we are citing, some of them date back to 2,000 years, 4,000 years, and even more. And instances of this found themselves into the Bible because the Bible those days um, was not a complete book or it was not like, you know, a, a bundle of book like we have it today. A whole house you know, full of stones and animal skins and back of trees could contain only Genesis, a whole full house, because the materials they were written on were so big. And it was very easy for anybody to write something and just, you know, throw it into it. And these are some of the reasons why some of these things entered the Bible and the Holy Quran came to clear all these things. But Imam Tariq, let me ask you, I believe time is, you know, far gone. In a nutshell, what does the Quran say about prophets of God? I know you have stated a lot, but um, just give us a brief, you know, summary of what the Quran says about prophets of God. 
Yes, absolutely. Prophets of God Almighty, as we discussed earlier, are righteous, noble, pious men of God Almighty. Um, there are various ranks of righteous people that are mentioned in the Holy Quran. In chapter 4, verse 70, God says, And whoso obeys Allah and, his, and this messenger of his shall be among those on whom Allah has bestowed his blessings, namely the prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous, and excellent companions of these. So here, God Almighty mentions four categories of righteous people. Uh, the lowest or the, yeah, the basic one is called the righteous. The one above is called the martyrs. The one above is called the truthful. And above all these categories is the prophets. So prophets are supposed to be the most righteous and pious among all righteous people. And the highest, and then, the highest on the rank of spirituality. Exactly. They're the closest to God Almighty and they are the most or ever ready to serve humanity as well. Yeah. The way they have love of God and the fear of displeasing God in their hearts that they never ever go close to sinning. So this is whom the prophets, uh, you know, this is the status of prophet. Again, to go through it very quickly, we talked about this earlier. In chapter 10, verse 17 of the Holy Quran, um, Allah the Almighty tells us that how prophets present their lives, present their lives as proof of their truthfulness. Okay. For example, it is said, Allah says, I, uh, you know, to basically tell the, uh, the, Allah asks prophets to tell the people that I have indeed lived among you a whole lifetime before this. Will you not then understand? Meaning that look at my whole life, my behavior, my character, everything is in front of you. You have known me since I was a child. Do you, have you ever seen anything, you know, wrong or uh, from, from my side? Have you, do you have any questions about my character? No then you should automatically accept that I'm speaking the truth about God Almighty as well. So they, they present that as an example. This is how good and impeccable their character is. Then chapter 21, verse 28 of the Holy Quran, God says that they speak, the prophets, they speak not before he, God speaks. And they act only by his command, only by God command, God's command. So everything that they do is, is, is you know, um, basically done under the command of God Almighty. The kind of allegations that we were going through before that are presented in the Bible or the scandals that are mentioned, none of those things can be true because that those things are exact opposite of what God is commanding them. And God in the Holy Quran is saying that prophets do only what they are commanded. And then again, for example, uh, the Holy Quran also tells us, uh, yes, there are different ranks among the prophets, but as us as human beings, we have no right to judge between the prophets we shouldn't be saying one is higher than the other and the other is lower yeah. except what Allah has already said we can only say that much but otherwise it is not right for us to differentiate between them because they're all role models for us sure. then one last point I will present under here God Almighty exonerates prophets as um, you know as we have been discussing throughout this episode from all these different allegations that are found in different scriptures. One particular exoneration that God does for prophets is from um, shirk. Shirk is a, an Islamic, in Islamic terminology, refers to associating partners with God. Yeah. Our belief is that every prophet said that there is only one God and you should worship one God alone. And that is exactly what prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, taught mankind as well. So the image of prophet Jesus given in the Holy Quran, for example, it is such that it exonerates him from this teaching uh, that he taught people to worship him. No, 
Nowhere in the Bible he himself has ever said that you should worship me. So God Almighty exonerates Jesus, peace be upon him, and all other prophets of God from any kind of false allegation that may have been leveled by the followers of those prophets, the opponents of those prophets, or anyone for that matter. Yeah, thank you very much for taking us through um, some of the um, allegations the you know prophets of God have been put through in the Bible particularly and also how the Holy Quran exonerates all these prophets and clear them of these charges. I believe this is all that time would allow us on today's program and I should say once again to Imam Tariq Azim, thank you very much for joining us today on the program and also for the listeners, a very big thank you to you for always being part of this program. Until we come your way next time, from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, it's love for all and hatred for none and Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salih